Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> Robin, thanks for the time. Thank you. Whacking that thing around. Couture down the middle, the lefty fake shoots, save Leonard! Vegas wins it in a shootout! Three to two, the Knights top the Sharks! Things got testy. You think I like the shootout? The Las Vegas Journal Review. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Ed, you know what's more impressive than breaking Gordy Howe's record of most games played? Last night, nothing. Come on. Winning seven games in a row against bad uh, teams like the Golden bad. Knights have. Yeah, we got to stay positive. <laughs> Listen, uh, oh, I think it's a week from last night, right, that they get the two against starting the two against Colorado. I, I think I'm right on that. Um, I mean, it's Colorado. I, I, really I, well, I hope, I, mean, I was going to say, I hope the Avalanche are back. There'd actually be games here. Who knows when they're coming back? So, all right, let's do it. It's time to grade the Golden Knights. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grainy's grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. God damn it, I hate Jake Fanny! Oh, how can you dread this, Ed? All you have to do is say some letters uh, and Jared will play it for you. Uh, it's great. Let's go. Check. Let's do this. Stay All positive. Right. First topic to grade is three-on-three three overtime. I'm a positive guy. I do nothing but positive things. I'm going to say A, pass, pass. A, pass, pass. So I will say this. For a lot of these, I was writing Marlowe, but I did watch as much as I could. And from my from my viewpoint, I like I love three-on-three. Three. I mean, I think it's really exciting, the space and everything. I get that. But there seemed like there were a lot of chances, and it seemed like they went back and forth, up and down, like a little track meet. I mean, there was a lot of action in it, so – Yes, nobody scored, um, which put it to a shootout, but it didn't appear to be a very boring three-on-three. It looked like a lot of guys had chances. Um, uh, I thought Stone might have had one. Uh, Again, uh, one eye watching, one eye writing, but I'll stay with an A because I thought it looked pretty exciting. Stone had about 10. Um, There were were nine scoring chances in five minutes. That's exciting. And Sharks. So here's the thing. Uh, It was exciting. Uh, that yeah. was fun to watch. But you know what I realized last night? For there to be exciting overtime hockey, for there to be end-to-end action where both teams have a bunch of chances, the skaters and the shooters have to suck. Because as soon as you score, it's over. And if you put away one of those scoring chances, the game ends. But the only way that it continues, the only way that you get that excitement is for the guys to suck at their actual goal. So, three on three overtime last night, I'm giving it an F. F. You can't have nine scoring chances and not score. You just can't. You can't. can't, It's failure. It's it's failure. I can't believe we're not grading Martin uh, uh, Marlowe, Patrick Marlowe, but go ahead. (laughs) Just listen. 
if you're gonna if you're going to have overtime, somebody's got to score. For it to be a good overtime, somebody has to score. Otherwise, we're just watching guys fail at what they're supposed to be doing. All right. Fail. Next topic to grade is Mark Stone's second goal. Ooh, it's a tough one. Not really, though. C. C. I say this because as the captain and one of the best players in the world, it was a nice move, but nothing like incredible or outstanding. Uh, I can average that out with an F because as good as Martin Jones was last night, that was brutal, I thought. And he's, you know, most nights he's brutal anyway, which I feel bad because he shot like, he stopped like, what, 38 or 40 last night for Martin Jones. Like, it was hilarious. Like, he, his first two, <laughs> I actually thought it was great. He stopped like their first two shots and people are tweeting, man, is that really Martin Jones out there? I'm like, yeah, he stopped two shots. I mean, everyone expected them to like score every time they shot at this guy. So 38 out of 40 was good. I wasn't blown away by Stone's goal because I think someone at his level and skill, the little wrap around he did, I didn't think it was, yeah, it was nice, but it's not one I'd, he, I think he would put up as one of his greatest goals ever. So my grade is going to go to San Jose and they get an F. F. Because somehow, I know it's a power play. The Sharks only have four skaters out there. But somehow, Mark Stone just skated to the front of the net, received a pass, took a shot, and nobody for San Jose came within five feet of him. Like, they just forgot that Mark Stone existed while he's standing in front of the net with the puck. Like, Anaheim did that two nights ago to Petrangelo when he skated up and they just said, go ahead and shoot it. We don't need to defend you. Like, how have we seen two nights in a row the two highest paid players on the team just not be defended by their opponents and get a free goal out of it. I don't understand what's happening. No, I, I mean, the Petrangelo, it's, you're like, it's like they're talking to each other. Jimmy, I thought you had him. No, Johnny had him. Like, they're looking around like, well, somebody had to have him, and nobody had Mark Stone. <laughs> I mean, here's, here's a pro tip if you're playing the Golden Knights. Their power play normally isn't good. Just don't leave Mark Stone wide open in front of the net, and you'll probably do a pretty good job against the Golden Knights power play. Next topic is Braden McNabb's hit on Logan Couture. Oh, I, I thought this was great. Uh, I don't think – I'm going to see it one last thing before I grade it because I don't believe he la- – well, he did launch himself. Uh-oh, just a little on the left foot, so – can't give it an A because they might have missed something there on the launch. Maybe uh, maybe something that shouldn't happen. But I love the hit, so I'm going to go solid B+. Plus. It would be an A if he would keep that left foot down. B. B+. Plus. Keep plus. the left foot down, man. Don't launch yourself. I think Braden McNabb is safe. Like, if Ryan Reeves didn't get suspended for his hit a couple of weeks ago, this one is, this one is better than that. Um, the principal point of contact is Logan Couture's chest. It's not his helmet. There's maybe a little bit of a launch, but it's not a full-on launch. It's not a, a crazy launch by any means from Braden McNabb. Is it late? It's a little. I I don't yeah. think it's late. Like the, he he is going for the check while also poking the puck away at the same time. So I don't think it's late, but it, it's it's almost borderline on like the three main factors they look at there. So I think he's safe. It was a massive hit, Logan Couture, straight off Huge the idea. Hit. Couture came back in the game, but Couture went straight down to the dressing room um, after that hit. So, in the context of the sport, I'll give it an A. I mean, it was a. It was, a, it was a good hit, and you knocked one of their best players out of the game, which is not that you're trying to hurt people, but that's no. kind of the point of hitting people is, yeah, we want to make this to where you can't play anymore, and that's, at least for a, a moment, that's what happened to Logan Couture. All right, next topic, Tomas Nosek. Pass, fail, check, check, minus, no clue. 
Pass. Fail. Check. Check. Incomplete. <laughs> I think you lost Jared there because I think there was a check minus in there. Um, minus. So I'm grading something very specific, and that is in overtime. We've seen this a couple of times now from Pete DeBoer. He wants his first three players on the ice in overtime to be Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Shea Theodore. The problem with that is none of those three are centers. And so what he's done a couple of times this season is he starts Max Pacioretty on the bench and sends Tomasz Nosek out to take the faceoff. Because in Pete DeBoer's mind, if you win that faceoff with Tomasz Nosek, he can sprint to the bench, Max Pacioretty can jump out there, and now you have the puck and you have your preferred three players on the ice. My question, though, is I'm not sure that's worth it because Tomas Nosek taking the face off is going to, we're talking like he's maybe 10% better than just letting Mark Stone take the face off. Like it's not like Tomas Nosek is a guaranteed face off win. And it's not like Mark Stone is a guaranteed face off loss. Like you're talking like, okay, Nosek might get 55% and Stone's going to get 45%. So we're not talking a massive difference in terms of how many face offs. Noshik is going to win over Stone. And I think when you have to have a guy skate to the bench for Max Pacioretty to come on, you're losing like 10 seconds there. So I feel like that's a bigger deal than the advantage you get with a center taking the face off in Tomas Nosik. So I don't think it's a great move by Pete DeBoer, but I don't know if there's any analytics to back up his argument or my argument for this. So for the time being, I'll go incomplete on Tomas Nosik taking face offs in overtime. Incomplete. Do you, would you change your mind on Patrick Marlowe? And he started overtime, and I didn't know if that was just like a like like a, a hit to the back to like, hey, let's go, buddy. Had he scored, given the fact the Golden Knights are the only team in the NHL he has not scored a game-winning goal against. Oh, listen, Patrick Marlowe would have gotten an A plus, no doubt about it. The problem would have been okay. Patrick Marlowe just scored the game-winning goal against you. Are you sticking yeah. around on the ice to clap for him? Oh, I guess they would have. Oh, exactly. That would have been, and then, been, and then it been even worse. And then it would have looked yeah. even worse because you would have been, been oh, the Golden Knights fans, they have to clap now because their team lost, but the guy is old? Like, come oh. on. Get out of here. Next topic. Dylan Coglin. Asterix. I, I no longer have that available. We did a new oh. spelling bee. Hold on. Let me go um, find it. Jeez, Jared. How could you get rid of asterisk of all the things to get rid of? Unbelievable. Okay, I'll say an asterisk for this reason. He shouldn't at this point even be in the Golden Knights. And I say that only because he should be on a local team, but when you play every position other than goalie, you're the Joker! The Joker! So this guy should be with Johnny Gruden over at the Raiders as the Joker because they need one more of those. (laughs) He is the Joker. <laughs> He's the Joker. This is the Joker on this team. Dylan Coggle last night. J-O-K-E-R. Joker. Started the game as a forward because Riley Smith was hurt, so Coglin had to play out of position as the 12th forward. I don't know what the logic was from Pete DeBoer. He kind of talked about it but didn't really give a great explanation, but... They played Dylan Coughlin as a forward for the first period, and then in the second and third period, they played him as a defenseman. And Zach Whitecloud ended up not playing very much the last 40 minutes of the game. 
I don't know what the purpose is. I don't know what the benefit was there. Uh, but that's what they did with Dylan Coglin. So I don't know what grade to give. I'm going with you. It's just, he's it's just Joker. Who knows? He's a Joker. He's J for yeah. Joker. Like that's all that's all we have on well, this because I don't I'll I don't know you, how to grade that. I'll tell you one thing. He's more of a value as a Joker than the guy they signed for 11 million. Because there's no way <laughs> Dylan Coglin's making 11 million a year. Dylan Coglin is he even going to make 11 million in his career? <laughs> no, no chance. Wouldn't he be the high one of the highest paid hockey players in the yes. league if yes, he got he paid 11 be. million dollars? Yes. He would be in the top five of highest paid hockey players if he was making 11 million dollars. So what we're saying a, is potentially the backup slot receiver slash running back is more <laughs> valuable in the, in the NFL than a guy that does the same thing in hockey. Yes, if yeah, you want every position. Yes. If you want um to be depressed about hockey, go look up the salary of some of the great players like a Mark Stone who makes nine million dollars and compare it to literally any baseball player. Literally any of them that have signed yeah. a second contract, they're all making over fifteen million dollars. What does and I'll look at it really, really quick here, and you can give me your, your guess here, which is interesting given like you said, compare it to the others other other uh Stars and leagues, and I've got it here. Okay, Connor McDavid. What do you think he makes? This is amazing. Uh, I've got to be honest. This is amazing. Is he at eleven or twelve? Twelve and a half million. Yeah. Now, like you said, go compare that to like the eighteenth guy in the Dodgers. This yep. guy makes twelve and a half million. He's the best player in the world, and that's what he makes comparative to baseball. And let's be honest, some other sports as well, not just baseball. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Tanner Muse. A uh, special team specialist <laughs> makes one million dollars a year. Dylan Coughlin makes seven hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, it's that's a special teams war daddy to you, Jared. All right, coming up next. Oh, I can't wait to do this again. I'm going to yell about the European Super League again. We haven't done what? that yet. Why? Bischoff's briefs. We, we take a lot of pride in being very analytical here. Um, we use a lot of statistical data, tendencies. Bischoff's briefs. Got a lot of respect for the percentages of blitz on second and one to six, third and five to ten. Bischoff's briefs. We take analytics as far as we can, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of human error that I continually make. Bischoff's briefs. I don't believe any of those statistics. I think it's all hotline. Today, Bischoff's briefs will tell you why fans are stupid. Now, I do want to make myself clear before I tell you why fans are stupid. Um, the real enemies in this whole European Soccer League thing are the owners of the teams that are trying to break away and form their own league. Like, those are the, the bad the, the people. Billionaires. Yeah, yes, really those are the bad people in this situation, and they deserve a ton of blame. And they're getting plenty of it. I, there's no need. I don't need to pile onto that. There's plenty of it. But I am going to tell you why I think fans are reacting to this in the most bizarrely stupid way I've ever seen. Because I don't know that I've seen such unanimous hatred among fans for something like I have for the European Super League. And, like, I... like. The amount of people that I've seen on the internet say that they are going to stop cheering for their favorite team because of this 
is unbelievable to me. That you have people that are like, oh, I've been a fan for 20, 30, 40 years, and this is the end for me. If they, if, no. if Arsenal joins this team, this league, I can't support this anymore. I'm going to go support Newcastle or somebody like that. Like it's staggering to me. And here's here's what's fascinating to me: soccer fans have this false belief that the team belongs to them. Like more than any other sport, soccer fans think that the club they support is their team. Right, And one of the phrases that's being thrown around the European Soccer League is calling it an Americanized version of soccer because we're greedy and we don't have promotion and relegation. Teams are guaranteed a spot in the league, blah, blah, blah. And the owners just want to make money. And the answer to that is, well, duh, they just want to make money. But what I haven't understood is why this is the line in the sand for so many fans. Because soccer teams have been maximizing, or at least trying to maximize profits, for so many years now. We're talking about the sport of soccer is the sport in the world where the biggest teams in the sport do not put their team name on the chest of their jersey. They put a sponsor, right? I'm an Arsenal fan. I buy a new Arsenal jersey like every year. That means I've got a bunch of jerseys for Emirates Airlines that say that across the chest. Why do soccer teams do that? It's to make money. It's not because it's good. It's not because it's for the fans. It's because they're making money. That's what they do. Every single season, they come out with a brand new jersey. It's the same general jersey, but they change where the stripes are. They change some small design so people will buy them to make money. That's not good for the fans. It's because I go out and I buy a damn Arsenal jersey every year because I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that one. I got to have it too. Like everything soccer teams have been doing for years has been to maximize the amount of money they can make. Hell, the actual Champions League once started out as a tournament simply of the champions of each league in Europe. They decided, well, we need more teams in here. So they started letting in the top four in England, the top four in Spain. And, and now it's a big tournament that's not just champions. Well, why the hell did they do that? To make money because they wanted more games. They wanted more teams in. Everything these leagues do is to make money. And the idea that there's some integrity that the teams have to uphold, you just sound naive and stupid because what have you been watching the last 20, 30 years of soccer? They've been doing this. So fans saying they won't support their team anymore because they joined the European Super League because they're just after money. Like, you sound like an idiot because that's what they've been doing. You're wearing a jersey that says Emirates Airline on it, and you're worried now about the team doing something to try to make money? Like, I just, I can't get my head around fans making this the deciding factor, making this the line in the sand that they will not cross because now their team is too greedy when... They've been that way for years. How many jerseys do you think you have? Oh, way too many. Unbelievably way too many. So you're I a jersey guy. Have... You admit it. You're a jersey guy. Oh, so absolutely with soccer jerseys. Um, like I don't I don't have like I don't have like I don't wear like football jerseys. I don't I have some, but I don't really wear basketball jerseys. Um, I don't really wear baseball jerseys too much, but soccer jerseys absolutely. Because they're just they're just like a t shirt. So I probably have uh, I've got to have at least fifteen, maybe twenty Arsenal jerseys. I've probably oh, got. Come on. I've probably got. 15 to twenty. I've oh. probably got ten, 
maybe 15 U.S. Uh, soccer jerseys, and then I've got four or five lights jerseys. Okay, another topic. I can't even respond uh, to that. But um, so, I think I okay, could give you a run for wanted... your money on jerseys. <laughs> I mean, you might, you might. I, but I also but I just yeah. you you buy jerseys for teams you like. I buy a Bryce Petty jersey because I go right. lol seven dollars. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I've got some random ones, but yeah, for the the mains what the main ones I wear are the Arsenal U.S. and lights jerseys, and I've I've got about twenty fifteen five or so so yeah i've got about 40 of the ones that i'd actually wear i had uh i had one it was from my buddies in london with the cray wanderers i did a column on them when i was over to the raiders and it was in my drawer because i'm not a jersey guy i wanted to keep it forever but i believe it's now at savers because it got thrown in with a bunch of stuff so <laughs> if you need a cray wanderers jersey it's over at savers there on rampart and lake mead let me ask you this it so billionaires want to be make there. more money because that's how they become billionaires right um, if they break like this, though, and we've talked about this before, it, given they have the good, te- or, you know, many of the good teams, is it still a risk for them? Or do you think it's like we talked earlier, if there was a super conference in college football, well, they'll make all the money. And what's the point of everyone else playing? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole the whole point of the Super League for these 12 teams is for those 12 teams to be guaranteed big paydays every year. Because the way the way it's set up right now is if you qualify for Champions League, you get a big payout because of the TV money that the Champions League gets. Well, take uh, take Arsenal, for example. Arsenal, I think it's three years in a row, has not been in Champions League. So right, they haven't right. gotten that big TV payout. Now, they've been in Europa League, so they've gotten a smaller one. But they haven't gotten that massive TV payout. In this scenario, Arsenal would be guaranteed a spot in the Super League, which is effectively taking the Champions League spot. So Arsenal, regardless of how good they are is guaranteed that revenue from basically being in Champions League, which is now called the Super League. So that's the whole point of this. And on top of that, these 12 teams got together and said, people buy our jerseys, people watch us play. They don't care about Burnley. Like, they don't care about Valencia, right? So they got together and said, we're supporting all these other teams because people care about us. Why don't we just break away and do our own thing and people will still care and watch us. They won't care about Burnley anymore. Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of truth behind that. Like, you know, the the group of six team gets one team in, so they throw them a couple of, a couple extra pennies. So you know, they shut up and don't make much noise each year when a group of six actually gets you know into a, into a college football playoff game. So I guess there isn't there some sense in that where you know why give them anything if we have to? Yeah, I mean, basically that's what it is. It's hey, people like even though Arsenal sucked for a while, it's still, still Arsenal though. They're yeah. still one of the most popular teams yeah. in the world. Like, and so it's sort of a matter of, well, people want to watch Arsenal play, even if they're in ninth place. They'd rather watch Arsenal play than watch Fulham play or something like right. that. Or or Leeds. Leeds is like, I don't know, what are they, in seventh or something? Like they're ahead of Arsenal. But nobody wants to watch Leeds United play. Hell, Leeds was actually good before I was born. So, like, there, there's just a level of these teams saying, we're popular. People care about us. Why should we be supporting everybody else that's not as good as us, even if we kind of suck? So that's why they're doing it. I Listen, to be clear, I don't really like the Super League. I don't think it's a great – like, I, I, I'm going to watch it. I'm absolutely I'm, – and I'm pumped that Arsenal can skate by and get into this off of past uh, success. But I, I, I would prefer the current setup to what the Super League would be. But I do think it's funny how many fans have said, oh, this is terrible. This is the worst thing. This is just greedy. And it's like, eh. 
They've been doing this for years. You've been supporting a greedy ownership team for years now. It's not like anything's changed. They're just taking it to the next level. All right, coming up next, Shang Pang. Oh, I love talking to Shang. Joins the show. Fear the Finn. Shang Pang. Two minutes for instigating. Shang, how are you? Shang. Hey, buddy, what's up? Oh. <laughs> Don't you miss us cutting you off after two minutes every time you join the show? <laughs> hey, uh, update that segment. I'm at a new website. Plug. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we do. We do. Um, okay. All right, Shang. Here's, here's what you got to help us with. Were the yeah. Golden Knights too nice to Patrick Marlowe last night? Uh, too nice. Um yeah, they didn't give him a breakaway. That, that was that was pretty cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, Golden Knights, uh, you know, they they came into the game having won six in a row. They're uh, well up in 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 the division. I mean, why not? Because it's the Sharks, Shane. Like everything about <laughs> these two teams has been great because they hate each other. And then last night, we're given multiple standing ovations to Patrick Marlowe. They should have been mean to him. <laughs> Well, it would have been even better if uh, Reeves was in, in the game. Uh, you know, uh, about a month ago or so when the Sharks were here, uh, Reeves and Marlowe were, were chattering, and they were joking before the game from Marlowe about uh, giving that Gordie Howe hat-trick. So it would have been funny if uh, uh, Marlowe had achieved one-third of the Gordie Howe hat-trick, uh, the fight, but not the goal or the assist. Yeah, it would have been great. Where's uh, where? Listen, Jonathan Marcheseau <laughs> should have fought him. Jonathan Marcheseau should have skated out there and just not not even do the hockey I, I, thing. I think my model weight class is a little bigger than Marcheseau. My model is a strong, strong dude, farm That's, strong dude. Should be a maybe yeah. McNabb, uh, the no, Saskatchewan no, no. boys, Saskatchewan no, no. farm no. boys. That's why it would have been great because Jonathan Marcheseau is <laughs> tiny and would have punched him so many times in the belly button. Would that, Shane, wouldn't it have been great if? If Marlowe was like, because of course they had to wear those horrible gold helmets last night, but Marlowe was like holding onto the top of Marcia Show's dome on the gold helmet, and he was talking about the gold helmet as Marcia Show was flailing away and not being able to make contact. <laughs> that, that would have been. And, Mar <laughs> and Marlowe's there just got in a fight just to, uh, as, uh, to, uh, uh, the gold helmets are so disrespectful to old time hockey, and Marlowe's are just taking <laughs> matters in his own hands just for that. So. Ah. Uh, you, you're not surprised, obviously. Uh, my co-host here is brutally upset that the Golden Knights were nice at all, that they stopped the game, that afterwards they shook his hand. You and I, I think, more respect history than him. Uh, but as an overall theme tonight, at, at the night you were there and you uh, cover him, uh, how, how do you think it went, though? I mean, was that appropriate, given and compare it to what you think the record actually means? I mean, I I was had some ambivalence as this record was approaching myself. This is kind of record where you know it's not like a, a goal scored record where you know you're, it's kind of like there's a chase there and there's that kind of that moment uh, of, of I don't know relief when it happens. You know, we were literally Patrick Marlowe when he you know stepped on an ice uh, on the ice and they dropped the puck. He broke the record. That was it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's not the most most exciting record in some ways. But you know, as they're approaching, you think about just like how, uh, just how much it takes to get this far. You know, how many injuries you have to avoid, uh, how much luck you have to have. Um, you know, how you, you know, uh, Marlowe is. Uh, you know, everyone talks about just how he grew up country strong. You know, farm. He's a farm boy, and you know, you have to have that kind of luck. You have to win that genetic lottery. 
Uh, Marlo's an incredible skater from day one. He's a guy who could skate with men uh, from day one as a teenager in NHL. So you have to win, win that part of the genetic lottery, too. You just have to get lucky with injuries, too. Uh, one of the things I learned in all the research was that the 2004-05 lockout, everyone wants to give Marlo those games, but actually Marlo was dealing with a back problem that, that season. And he might have missed a good number of games had they played that lockout season. So you kind of factor in all these kind of luck things. And also, too, Marlo is not a player that shies away from contact, too. You know, he's going to score all those goals he scored over his career. You know, he's going to get in there and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, go into those dirty areas. And so he just managed to stay healthy. And it's just so, it's, it's really is, I think, an, uh, an incredible feat. And it was a need to be uh, a part of it. Uh, I have an important question for you because. Don't pay that much attention to the Sharks this year unless they're playing the Golden Knights because the Sharks aren't any good. Uh, but is Martin Jones <laughs> good at hockey again? Uh, you know, that, that's, that's funny that you call him in his good game because uh, he was just pulled in his last game. Uh, that was his seventh <laughs> pool in 30 starts this year, which, you know, uh, sounds if it sounds like a lot, it is a lot because uh, uh, Martin Jones, uh, the most times he's been pulled in a season uh, was seven. And that was in, I think, 2017-18 uh, in, like, 60 starts. <laughs> so, you know, do the math there. That's, you know, <laughs> seven pulls and 30 starts uh, is a lot worse than seven pulls and 60 starts uh, a couple seasons ago. So uh, Jones is one more pull away from establishing a career record. So uh, that's another uh, a record that might fall soon. Uh, maybe the Golden Knights will hand, give him a handshake after the game. Sure. Uh, it should if he does. <laughs> Shane, well, I think, yeah, uh, Golden Knights should be extra nice to Martin Jones. They've, uh, <laughs> they've been extra Shane, not nice uh, to him over the years. Burst every Golden Knights fan bubble here and say why Colorado is going to get out of the Honda division. <laughs> you know, I actually do not think uh, it's that uh, that obvious. Uh, they're both very strong teams. You know, it's always easy to look at a team that's hot at the moment, which, well, actually, Vegas is hot at the moment, but Colorado was so hot for a while. Uh, Colorado's defense uh, is is very very small, and this is a point that uh, even San Jose Sharks forwards have talked about constantly when they play Colorado. Like, oh, we should have taken advantage of them on the forecheck, et cetera, et cetera. So even the Sharks forwards, that you know, uh, by and large, the whole group is not a very you know strong forward group, is kind of talking smack about the Colorado defense. And I know that the flip side of Colorado's defense is you know small as they are, they're quick, and so you had to be able to catch them. But if Vegas can exercise their size advantage at forward, you know, guys like, you know, Mark Stone, obviously, then uh, I think, I think, it, it, uh, I, I don't think it's a, a given that the Avalanche are, are going are gonna to come out of it. It should be between those two teams. It's hard to see it not being uh, those two teams in the, in the second round. Uh, but if, uh, but once, uh, or if Vegas gets past that second round, then it sort of seems like, uh, I would say that they are the, the, the team that should make it to the final. Uh, Shang, you know what was more historic than Patrick Marlowe last night? Uh, Robin Leonard actually won a shootout by saving all three shots. <laughs> I, I should do, I'm not aware of the history of that, but I, I, did, uh, I did enjoy that line of questioning from a fellow colleague by asking uh, Leonard <laughs> if he enjoyed the shootout, and Leonard was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Robin Leonard is uh, all-time nine and twenty-five in a shootout, mm-hmm. and his save percentage is uh, .510. And somehow he stopped all three shots last night. And 
legitimately stopped all three shots. It's not like they missed the net. Like, he legitimately made three <laughs> saves last night. That was more incredible than Patrick Marlowe stepping on the ice. Well, Leonard's a huge guy, so Leonard just, you know, just by accident, he should stop a few shots on a shootout, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, while. but he hasn't, he hasn't in his past. In his past, he's been horrible at it. <laughs> well, then maybe, maybe, then maybe the Sharks forwards need to look themselves in the mirror then. That's true. That is a good point. He did it against the Sharks. I don't know if it should count doing it against the Sharks. Um, okay, when you look at the NHL as a whole this year and the fact that they're playing just within divisions, and so we don't get to see Colorado or Vegas play a Tampa or a Boston or a Toronto or whatever, like, how confident are you, are you going to be when you're watching the final four teams in the NHL that you know which of those teams is actually better than the others? Yeah, you know, that is a good question, a good point. Uh, we don't get to see those, those, those matchups, but I think you can just uh, guess by just the quality of players and you just get to do a little bit of on paper kind of, you know, extrapolation. But I think I'll, I feel fairly confident. And like you said, I, I I like Vegas and Colorado both as as teams. That I mean, if Colorado uh, beats Vegas, then I feel pretty good about uh, Colorado being being there in the end too. I think the, both of those teams are are very very strong. Uh, you know, pretty uh, you know there are you know each team has maybe a weakness, but there's not a lot of weaknesses on 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 either side. Shang, dip into your analytics hat and tell me if there's any way if you're Pete DeBoer and you know Pete well. Would would continue a re- rotation of goalies when the playoffs actually come? Uh, hold on, give me a second. Let me check my pack. Okay, yeah, um, check, check so, your pack. Yeah, <laughs> would you do this? Uh, yeah, you know it, that that rotation thing. We haven't really seen it in the playoffs too often, but I, it can it can work. But um, I, I think that I, I think for sure that 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 they're probably going to go with a. A, uh, a a number one ish guy give that guy kind of the the ball you know I never seen like a the, the current rotation of the night are kind of doing that that switch off like I've never really seen that in the playoffs so, so we're probably going to give a guy a run of games and then if he has like one bad game then they say switch off that sort of thing might be more likely and so then in a way in an end that way uh, by the time you get to your playoff run however far you get uh, both teams will have had a good stretch, or both goalies, I mean, will have had a good chunk of the playoff run. Unless somebody pills off, like, 20 great games in a row, which is possible, not likely. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think, a good problem to have, as long as uh, you can manage uh, agent tweets and any uh, locker room kind of issues. <laughs> we want more of those. Yes, please. Yeah, that's, that's true. Conflict is good, right? <laughs> yes, by the way. I know, I understand your brand now, Tyler. Yes, it is, absolutely. Although Alan Walsh blocked me on Twitter, so I don't even get to enjoy his tweets when he sends them out. <laughs> uh, Ed, Ed can send you his tweets, though. I'm sure yeah, he hasn't blocked Ed yet. Yes. Other, other people. Like, and here's the thing. I was blocked before the whole flurry thing last year, so I didn't even get oh, to see wow. the flurry well, you thing. Should, you until... should make a teacher for that. I know. So I didn't even get to see the flurry stuff until other people sent it to me, and then I realized how fantastic it was. But yeah, it's it's not good to be blocked by Alan. I've never I've never been disappointed being blocked by somebody until Alan Walsh because he's such he's so great on Twitter, and he's going to make a meme yeah. again when Robin Leonard steps out in Game One of the first round about Mark Andre Fleury being stabbed in the back again. You think there'll be two swords in his back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a, a different name on there. I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, even better, he, he should is... just retweet the exact thing. He should retweet the old tweet from a year ago and just, just retweet it right at the just moment. Re- yeah, okay, yes, yeah, so <laughs> just retweet it in the moment. Well, you know, chase he, that clout. 
<laughs> he is Shang Pang. Follow him on Twitter at Shang underscore Pang. He's writing for uh, the Sharks Hockey Now site. Uh, Shang oh, my God. San Jose Hockey Now, Tyler. San Jose yeah. Hockey Now. Oh, San Jose Hockey Now.com. I'm sure you wrote about Patrick Marlowe being old and stepping on the ice more than anybody else. Thanks, Shang. <laughs> Thanks, Shang. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Oh, Shang Pang. Shang Pang got 14 minutes. We, 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 you got, you got it close enough to where he works now. You got 14 minutes instead of two. You got it close. Close is close is good. Why would I make new imaging? We have him on twice a season. <laughs> Jared, don't act like you have a good use of your time on a normal day. <laughs> hey, I, I am now producing more than one show. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're using your time well. All right. We have another haircut to give away from Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. We will take caller number three at 702-364-1100. That is 702-364-1100. The winner will get a haircut, hot lather neck shave, and shoulder massage, plus a free massage shampoo. It's a $29 value. It's yours free from Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. Again, 702 702- Three six four eleven hundred. Caller number three. Marmaleosa swinging a drive deep to right field. This one is going to be gone. Goodbye baseball. Line drive home run into the lower deck. Holy smokes! Number three on the year for Jose Marmaleos. He turns around a pitch from Dustin May, rides it out of here, and the Mariners have a two nothing lead over the Dodgers. Here's a swing and a drive deep into the gap in left center field, and this one is going and going, and goodbye baseball. Taylor Trammell with an opposite field home run out to the pen. I thought uh, to some of those right-hand hitters, I I thought he did a really nice job. You know, really good hitter in Hanniger. He really, you know, dominated him tonight. And so that's just kind of what Dustin can do when the breaking ball is right. Um, when it's not working, then you start getting behind the counts. But uh, just inconsistent, but you know, it's, it's still a work in progress. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Oh, oh what, are you, what are you doing? You're losing to the day Mariners? First place, Mariners. I want David Price in the rotation immediately. Oh, uh, Dustin. We've, we've seen enough of Dustin and a couple starts. Get him out. Oh, man. How are you losing? Out. You're, you're supposed to beat the Mariners for me. Come on. What are you doing? I know. Well, I, listen, if we play the Mariners next week, we'd sweep them because, it's like I said earlier in the show, it's two weeks in. So they'll be in first place, and within two weeks they'll be in third. So it's just bad scheduling on, for our part. Like, I, I feel a little bit better about the Astros and half their AAA team losing to the Mariners now. But come on, Dodgers. Get it together. How can you be the first pitch? One o'clock first pitch today, Tyler. Mookie's out. Got hit flush in the hand last night. So he's out today. But we'll try to get it done for you. Oh, did you did you see Mookie get hit in the ninth inning? I saw a replay of it, yeah. Okay, so he had two strikes. I thought he should have been called as a, as a swing and struck out on that. Uh... Not going to argue that. I mean, it's, it's. But then again, they're gonna they're gonna miss everything. So I was more uh, more more worried about uh, ninety five mile an hour fastball hitting him on the hand. So yeah, as you should worried. be. As you should worried. be. But I I would have enjoyed. I yeah. the, My favorite thing is guys getting hit by a pitch, but they accidentally swung, and it's called a strike. 
That's right. why yeah. it's yeah. hilarious. It's yeah. one of the funniest things in the sport. You, you're out for six weeks and you struck out. Get yes. Out. And so that's, I was kind of hoping they were going to rule that Mookie Betts swung the bat and that he had struck out. It would have been funnier if that had happened. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's okay. Now, going to end the show. Uh, talk about Dave Rice because Dave Rice was an assistant coach at Washington ever since he got fired from UNLV's head coaching position. But late last week, uh, he put out on Twitter that he was no longer a part of the staff at Washington. Um, are we? Have, has there been an actual report on this? Like technically fired, right? Like Dave Rice didn't leave on his own. Oh no, I don't think he left on his own. I think uh, I. Uh exchanged some texts with him, uh, told him, I hope, you know, I mean, everything works out, obviously. Uh, but, you know, he's, his message back was, I'm in the transfer portal. And, you know, he took it well. <laughs> Look, it's, uh, it's one of those things where Washington this year was 4-16 and 16, uh, in conference and 5-21 and 21 overall. That's all you need to know. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. You and I talked about this last week. It's interesting when it happens to assistant basketball coaches. And I don't. I'm not going to pretend to say, I say I, I I keep track of every assistant coach they move on from. I, there's no way I would say that, but it. I don't read a lot about them making change. Now again, we don't know if this is Mike Hopkins, uh, AD, saying you got to make a change. We don't know if him him thinking I better make a change, uh, because eventually the coach head coaches are going to look out for themselves eventually. But this was a little strange only because again. You don't see it a lot in these sports. You see coordinators get fired in the NFL and sometimes in the college football, but you don't see this a lot. So he's going to land on his feet. He's got a lot of connections in college basketball. He's recruited some really high-level kids. But, yeah, I thought this was interesting. And then you look at their record and you're like, well, sometimes this, these things happen when you're that bad of a team. If, I, if you were Dave Rice and I told you that you could go be an assistant right now for another power conference team or – Sit out a year and you'll have a head coaching job in like the WAC or the Big Sky next year. Which would you prefer? Oh, I'd be a head coach. I'd be a head coach. One, I think financially he's fine. I mean, a lot of it has to do with that. He has a family and everything, but we know what he got paid at UNLV. You're very well compensated as a Pac-12 uh, assistant. I think he might have been the first one they hired. I don't know, you know what level he was at on, on the chairs, but he got paid well. So if I can run my own program again and be a head coach... Again, because, you know, all coaches are going to think, okay, I'll go to the leagues you're talking about, and I'll be really good, and then I'll make the jump back up to a higher level. So yeah. if you're an assistant, it's much more difficult to get a head coaching job unless you're, uh, you know, beside, you know, comparative to just being handed one or, or getting one like your situation says. So I would be a head coach for sure. Yeah, and then that's what I'm, I'm curious as to what Dave Rice's next, like, step is as a coach. Right. because. It'd be hard for him to become a head coach right now because most of yeah. the jobs are filled. I guess there could be some more openings between now and the start of the season. But it, right now, it's 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 hard to become a head coach. So if you're going to be a head coach, it'd have to be next year. So I'm I'm curious what like his next step is because he's kind of like you know he's at UNLV, had some success, but it didn't end very well. So it's not like it's not like he was a useless head coach that is not going to get another head coaching job. But at the same time, I'm curious what level he would accept and what level would actually offer him a head coaching job. Because obviously he's not getting like, you know, a Mountain West level job right away. He'd have to go somewhere a little bit lower than that. And I'm curious what like his priorities are as far as what job he would take. I mean, I don't think there's any question. Big Sky, Big West, WAC, 
I think he could get a head like I think those leagues you threw out there, he could get a head coaching job in. I think you know he's he's been in some pretty big time places, and you know he was in a, he was the lead assistant when Jimmer was at BYU, worked at Utah State under Stu Morrill. Um, now he's been in the Pac-12, was a head coach at UNLV. So if you're telling me a big West team comes next year and, and wants a guy with West Coast ties who've recruited well there, I don't think you or I would be shocked at that at all. Yeah, and I, here's the thing, I I want to see him get another head coaching job, me too. even if that because. Mainly because I want them to play in Las Vegas. I want them to come and play at UNLV because that'd be fun. Because I want all the I want Chris Beard here. I want Dave Rice here. We need Opselberger here. Menzies doesn't have a job, but get Menzies a job and bring him here. Like I want them all. Just a little tournament of former coaches. It'll be great. One thing we know he'll do, Tyler. He'll do it the right way. Oh God.